Right to be read podcast, episode number 18. Interview with best-selling author Arvin Devalia. You are listening to the Right to be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Right to be Read podcast. Today, I'm talking to Arvin Devalia. He is a best-selling author, book marketing expert, coach, and inspirational speaker. Hello, Arvin. Hi, hi. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. Welcome to the Right to be Read podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, we go back a few years now. We met online. We never met in person, but this is really good to talk to you finally over the phone and Thank you for inviting me for this uh, little interview. Thank you very much for accepting my invitation. So today, uh, as you already know, this podcast is for writers mainly. And we're trying to encourage and inspire them to go ahead and write their stories and share them with the world. So um, telling that, I would like to go back and see how you started writing and how did you become an author? Okay, um, seems like I've been writing most of my life, actually. Um, even when I was at school, my English language teacher, every time he gave us an essay, I'll end up giving about 20 pages of A4 rather than two or three pages, which is what he wanted. <laughs> so he said to me, this is really, really good stuff. And he said, one day, maybe you should consider being a writer. But, uh, but in the meantime, can you please write shorter essays for me? this is far too long and almost 30 years later I did write my first few books and I wish I could somehow get hold of him and uh, track him down maybe I will maybe through social media I should be able to track him down and send him a copy of one of my books and prove to him that I finally did what he said I should have done and uh, what happened when I first got into coaching 10 10 11 years back uh, one of the things I do talk about in, in all my books and on my blogs is about the value of doing things for other people and how much uh, you get back by doing things for other people. And so going back 10 years, um, I did something for Red Nose Comic Relief at my local cafe in St. John's Wood, Centre London. And to get publicity for my fundraising, I asked the local paper to cover the story. So at that time, coaching was still quite new. And the journalist I spoke to had never heard of coaching. So I said, look, the best thing is, why don't I give you a coaching session? You come to my place and we'll go from there. So he really enjoyed my coaching session. So he said, look, I will feature you, but we need a photo of you. So I went off and got myself a red wig. And the photographer came the same afternoon and they featured me on page three of their local paper wearing a red wig and a funny nose. So as a result of that PR, I raised 800 pounds on Red Nose Day for Comic Relief. And on the day itself, the photographer came. And so I was featured in the newspaper yet again. So what happened is I called them the next week and I said, look, this is really great. I really appreciate what you've done for me. But can I do something for you now? How about if I write you a coaching column? I could write you a, a short column, three, four hundred words every week and be all around coaching and personal development, etc. And they loved the idea. So what happened was a month later, I had a regular column every week on, on, on the same page as the letters to editors. So it got me really good publicity and built up my profile. And six months later, I realized that I've written so many really good articles. And that's what I did. I turned that into my first book. And that first book was Get a Life. And then eventually that became my second book. And since then, I've got 12 books on Kindle now. But it all started with me doing something for someone. And it all came back to me many, many fold. So that's where I started, really. Okay, so you already have 12 books on Amazon. On Kindle at the moment, yes. 12 Kindle books, out of which four of them are hard published books, as in paperback books. Okay, so you have both paperbacks yeah, and... and Kindle, yeah. 
But the main the main book which has been an Amazon bestseller in its category is Get the Life You Love. And that's been really my my most amazing success in the sense that I've sold thousands of copies now in both paperback and Kindle. And even though I, I published it eight years back, it's still doing really well and it's all very fresh. Well, I, I was going to ask you, I remember I saw um, on Facebook's page, your Facebook's page or, or somewhere else, I don't remember exactly, but I saw some photos where your book um, was in the bookstores next to yes. very famous bestsellers. <laughs> How did you yes. do that? <laughs> okay, well, it's partly it's luck as well. Um, my name, my surname is Divalia, begins with D. And in my field, some of the most famous people who write about personal development, spirituality, are Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra. So my book just happened to be in between their books. And one of the things with the self-published authors, it's very hard to get into mainstream bookstores. But my book, I managed to get into Borders and Waterstones. And the question is, how did I do it? Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> by knocking on lots of doors. Uh, when I first published Get the Life You Love, uh, which is my main book, I literally called all Waterstone stores in the country twice. So at that time, I think they had about 300 plus stores. It's, 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 I believe it's about 400 now. So I spent two weeks on and off on the phone and I had an Excel spreadsheet, but I wrote down all the numbers, all the different stores. Um, then I would keep a track about whom I'd spoken to, what the outcome of the call was. A lot of the times I never got to speak to the right person, so I had to make numerous calls. And I told them the honest truth. I said, look, I'm a self-published author. I love you. I love your help to get my book out there. And would you consider stocking even one or two copies? And to be really fair, they were most of them were really helpful, very sympathetic. A lot of them didn't have much space, so they couldn't really stock the book. But quite a few of them did actually stock it. Even if they only ordered one or two copies, out of the few hundred stores, uh, I reckon about 20, 30 stores ordered some copies, which is which built, which meant that I had about 100, 200 sales in those two weeks, which may not sound much. But in the scheme of things, it was ama amazing because as a result of that, I also rang up Borders head office and I, st I told him about Waterstones taking the book. And with Borders, what happened, um, those of you who don't know about Borders, Borders went bust about five years back. But they had about 60 stores around the UK, Borders and Books, etc. So the time I'm speaking about is before Borders went bust. So I called them up and I called up all my local branches in London, Brent Cross, Watford, and then also because I'm from the Midlands originally in Coventry. I rang up the Coventry branch and the Leicester branch. And I told them that I'm a local author and I'd love to do some book reading events for you. And what I was really surprised was that all of them said yes. They said very few authors approach us for book readings and we'd love to have you. So I had events at all four stores and about half a dozen people turned up at each event. The one in Brent Cross, only two people turned up, even though they'd laid out seating for 60 people. And they explained that because it was middle of June, nice sunny evening, people decided would they prefer to be outside. But as a result of that, each of those stores ordered 30 copies each. And they sold really well. And then the head office buyer and boarders picked up the, the sales. And the next thing I knew, I had an order for 300 plus books from boarders in one go. Oh, amazing. The, yeah, so amazingly. It was nationally listed in 60 stores with three or four copies in each store or even more. Mm -hmm. And that's really built up the momentum. And then the other thing I did was also approach lots of newspapers and magazines about the book. 
I, t I told them that, look, the book is listed in Waterstones Borders. Could I write an article for you or could you feature it? And so it got featured in half a dozen different magazines and newspapers over the years. So can I say that uh, the main strategy and the main thing that worked best was that you were really, really proactive? Um, I think that's the number one, number one way, really. That's probably the number one reason for my success, being very proactive and not giving up. Um, it takes a lot of uh, focus and concentration and guts to keep calling all these stores when you might not get through or you might not get sort of answer, sort of answer you wanted or they might just refuse to talk to you. And obviously, I made time for that because I had my coaching business to run as well. So I spent three, four hours every day on the phone. So, But the other thing was I really believed in my book. Um, I believe in the message of the main book, Get the Life You Love. Um, I sort of really believe that the message in the book will transform a lot of people's lives and make a big difference in them. So that's what kept me going. If I had written a book that I didn't believe in, I don't think I would have had that focus or energy or drive to really get the book out there. Mm -hmm. um, subsequently, over the years, I've had some amazing feedback from people, from readers who read the book or people who come across my work and they appreciated how much it's helped them. And that's very gratifying when people come back to you with very positive feedback, which means that all along my belief in the book was justified. It wasn't just something that I was close to because I wrote the book myself. No, it's, it, it was really justified because I personally read that book too. And I think I, I told you that it, it was, was really... Uh, very warm, very practical. Well, you bring up a good point because one of the things that people ask me uh, what's different about my book and I tell them, look, to be really honest with you, there are literally thousands of personal development books out there. You can go to any bookstore in London, say, and they have a small section and you can pick up any one of like two, three, four hundred books. And I said, look, there's not really not much difference between my book and those, but for two reasons. Firstly, my book is not a reading book. It's an action book. There's space in there for people to write. It's a, I call it a playbook, not rather than a workbook. So people can write, they can take action immediately because that's what, what you need. When you want to change your life, you read something and normally it inspires you for a day or two, but then you give up. But if you are forced to, or if you're given the space to write something down, write down your thoughts or write down some actions you're going to take, your life starts moving forward quite quickly. So that's one reason. That's one way it's different. And the other reason why I say it's different from any other, any other or most books out there is that my personal life stories interweave within the book. So I'm not just saying that, okay, go and do this ABC and try this or try that. I'm saying, look, this is where I what worked for me. This is where I messed up. And I suggest you try this as well. I really sort of exposed myself in the book. I made myself very vulnerable. People who read the book and sort of done all the exercises, they really know me inside out. I've had readers writing to me saying, that, wow, that's amazing. You've sort of been so honest and authentic. And we feel, I feel that we really know you because you've really spoken from the heart. So I think that's a very important distinction that a writer should make. If you're going to write a um, non-fiction book, bring yourself into it. Really sort of speak from the heart and make sure that your readers can really connect with you. If they connect with you, then they'll follow you and follow your other books and want more from you. It's like writing a blog. If you're really honest and open and vulnerable on your blog and authentic, the readers can connect with you. Exactly. But um, wasn't it a bit scary in the beginning? Because being very open and opening up to people you don't really know may be a bit risky. Uh, how, how did you, I mean, how did you go around that? Did you have any doubts 
before um, deciding about this or uh, or it was just it came naturally yeah. i think it came partly came nat- naturally and partly i worked through it because uh, initially in the first draft i talked a lot about my my, my marriage uh, which which bro- my broken marriage so i was uh, talking a lot about what happened and almost like blaming myself but in the end it became quite a therapeutic journey to write the book and then i worked with an editor to give the book an overview and she said to me look this is really great stuff but but you've written so much about your marriage and relationships etc let's get a bit balance in there let's take some of those things out and let's get more about you and more about the work you've done and more about the self-help sorry the self-care that you do etc so it was a more balanced approach so that's the other thing i would say um it's great talking about a lot about yourself but get the balance and it's always useful to work with an editor because because we when we write as authors we're so close to the work we can't see beyond what we've written and it's really useful to have an expert to give you an external view unbiased view and my editor was brilliant. I mean, she was very straight talking and she, she, she told me what I wanted to hear, what I needed to hear. And my, the book was a much better end result than otherwise. Exactly. Yeah, it's uh, editing the text and having it professionally edited and working mm-hmm. with professional editor is very crucial uh, yeah. because um, especially, as you said, since there are so many books similar in that niche and um, you have to differentiate somehow the quality of the text at least even if yes, it's not differentiated yeah. has to thing, be perfect yeah. the other thing the editor really helped me was to make sure that my language is very simple um, i've had some feedback recently that the book is too simplistic and i said thank you that's just what i wanted it to be because you don't want to make a book too complex. I mean, life is complex enough as it is. So if you're reading a book about getting the life you love, then why would you read a book that makes it harder than it should be? So the, the language is very simple, but it's not simplistic, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, since it's not fiction and you're not targeting any specific creative writing style, uh, nonfiction really should be simple because people are not reading it to uh, evaluate, uh, you know, how uh, complicated uh, words you can use and, you know, how stylishly correct you can put the sentence together. So it's not about that. <laughs> the the other, uh, other thing that really helped the book was my editor was also from a personal development field so she was a she was a writer around health and spirituality and in that kind of area so it was really useful to have someone else who's also an expert to give me feedback because she was able to not necessarily input bring her own um, experience into it but she was able to give me an unbiased opinion of what what I was saying so one or two places in the book she made me revisit revisit what I've written because she didn't quite agree with it from her viewpoint and I respected where she was coming from so I did make some changes which I might not have done otherwise. Mm-hmm. I see. And the other thing is also nowadays, uh, it's so easy to put a book together on Kindle. You get a Word document, you get a nice image done, or even I've seen some books with really not so nice images, and you upload it and then you got your Kindle book. And there's a lot of hype about how easy it is to write a book and create a Kindle book and make it a bestseller, et cetera, et cetera. But that's really, to me, it's all hype because I see so many books on Kindle which are really badly produced. And even if the content would be good, if they haven't used an editor or if they haven't had a professional image done, it really shows through. So I would caution anyone who thinks that it's it's really easy to write a book and put it together. It is, but you might not make many sales because ultimately um, I'm assuming that people who put a Kindle book together want to generate sales and further business from the book. But if it's not that great quality, it will be 
it will not be a good reflection on the service you're offering in the first place. Yeah, well, I will um, rephrase a bit and tell that, yes, it is easy to put a book together on Kindle, but it is not easy to put a good book yes, on Kindle yeah. together. So um, we should really make this uh, differentiation. Yeah. because and, it's, and even to I'll, I'll add something more to that, it's, it's, um, it's even harder to make it a successful Kindle book. You might have a good Kindle book, mm-hmm. you might have put it together well, but you still have to do a lot, lot of work yourself to market it and to get people's attention and to build up a community around it. Absolutely. So you said you had 12 books on Kindle. How are yes. they doing now? They're doing really well. I mean, at the moment, uh, I'm, I'm just revisiting my strategy and how to get more of it out there. But they get the life you love. My main book is selling about 100 a month. Uh-huh. Well, that's yeah. uh, that's really nice passive income. <laughs> yes, it's good passive income and also it's exposure building and it leads to coaching clients. People who get the book yeah, yeah. contact so, me and they also become blog readers. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good. So you have everything linked together, which is perfect. Yes, yeah. Uh, so, uh, okay, um, since you had the blog before the books, I presume that part of your readers were the ones who were reading your blog, right? Correct, yeah. Okay, and uh, the others, I mean, uh, the new readers, where did you get those? How did you engage with these readers? Uh, what was the model of acquiring new readership? Okay, so there's two things there. So the I have a blog, and on the blog, I promote the book. So people, readers who come to the blog, new readers come to the blog, get exposed to the book. And when they sign up to my newsletter, I send them a short version of the main book, Get the Life You Love. So anyone who signs up to my blog gets the first five chapters as a PDF. So they get that for free. And there, um, they can go on and get the full book if they wish. So I'm getting quite a few sales from that, actually. And then because of the nature of my book, which is a playbook where you, you can write within the book if you want to. People who buy the Kindle book then go off and buy the paper book, paper version of the book. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if they want to keep it as their journal or their diary or, or their Bible, if you like, for personal development, then they get the paperback copy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Very, very interesting. Because in your case, I presume that you don't have this huge disbalance of uh, selling much, much more ebooks than the paperback in that case. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm selling more Kindle books than paperback books. Yeah, of course, but not as as such a big uh, no, because no. usually the the balance the imbalance is quite big, like yes. uh, yeah. ten to yeah. one or something like that. And interestingly, I also sell many more paperback books at the beginning of the year. Ah, at the beginning of the year. So. Beginning of the year, January, February, March is my most of my sales. So my strategies I'm looking into now is how to keep that going for the rest of the year. Okay, so you have identified the reasons why? Um, it's mainly the new year. People want to look at the new year resolutions and my book is the kind of book that people look at when they want to, when they're reviewing their goals for the year. But as I say, you can start setting new year resolutions or resolutions any time of the year. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's a psychological thing. I, I think mm. it's also about um, uh, sports gyms as well. Many right. people are yeah. getting these subscriptions for a few months and then they give up again. Uh, yeah. So they have this huge spike of <laughs> sales of subscriptions. So yeah, post Christmas, everyone starts thinking about their life and what they're going to do in the following, in the upcoming year. And then they go out and join gyms and they buy all these books. And then come March, they'll stop going to the gym. Yeah, They stop buying these books, they stop reading their books, <laughs> which is why really it's an ongoing thing. It's uh, people who want to change their lives. 
and it's, it's pity because they yeah. they already spend some time and energy by starting so it's a pity yeah. they uh, give up because in the very beginning you don't really get results immediately and uh, if you don't push a bit more then you might just be disappointed and it's 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 bad yeah and i think that applies to writers as well uh, when you first produce a book mm-hmm. you you do well and if you self published I'm assuming that a lot of the family, the friends, the colleagues would buy the, buy the book initially to support you. Mm-hmm. And then they might get a few organic sales. And usually, uh, from my experience, a lot of self-published authors I've spoken to, they don't sell many more than, say, a couple of hundred paperback copies to start with, and that's it. And then they, sales become very infrequent. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we spoke about earlier on is about being persistent. You had to keep marketing it. You had to believe in your book and you had to find all sorts of creative ways of continuing to market it, bring it in front of readers that, or the people who could become readers. Uh, there's, number, there's so many different things you could be doing, um, speaking engagements, social media promotions. One of the things I do, for example, which is kind of quirky as well, uh, on the front cover of Get the Life You Love, there's a sunflower. Mm-hmm. So anytime I see a sunflower out there, I'll take a picture of, the, uh, picture of the sunflowers with my book and put it on social media. So that book is constantly in people's faces without, without bothering them. It's kind of a quirky way and it's, uh, it's kind of humorous as well. Yeah, it's 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 not annoying at all. It's it's not really pushy because I've come across those photos a lot as well since we are friends in social media too, and uh, I can say that it's it's not really pushy at all. It doesn't have any implication of uh, you know the message like buy my book, buy my book, which is no. quite annoying when when they wave it in your face. So it's a very nice and creative way uh, you have found. Mm there and the book kind of, the sunflowers reflects the message of the book as well um what i'm saying is that it's possible for all of us to be happy and successful and have meaningful lives and we don't have to get hung up on things that don't work for us we remain positive and keep doing what we need to do and we can all have amazing lives and the message of the sunflower is something that's happy it's blooming it's fresh and that's all, that brings me to an interesting point about the book actually because when i had the book done eight years back. I, I used an editor, so there's a cost involved in the editor. I had a pro- professional typesetter set the book. And something that I spent a lot of time and money on was the professional cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, I see a lot of Kindle books which have been done with, with a cover produced on, say, Fiverr, Fiverr.com. Yeah. I spent almost 500 pounds with a cover designer. To, and, and we looked around at images. I really wanted it to be something bright and colorful and happy. And eventually, I realized Sunflower was just perfect for me. And then you worked on a number of images. And then when I got the, got the version that the book has, you know, the penny just dropped. You just know when something is right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy with the final cover. It's like one of the best things I've done, actually. That cover is universal and people love the cover. And when I put it in bookstores, just the cover itself makes people want to grab it. I did a lot of research into this as well. Um, apparently, it's been proven that the book colors that get the most attention in a bookstore is yellow and orange. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. It's proven that books which are orange or yellow or both are picked up more than any other color combination or any any other color. Interesting tip. So, which is why my book's orange and yellow. Okay, I see. So, you. When I say my book is the main book, get the life you love. Mm. Okay, so you knew that before? 
I knew that before and I deliberately asked the designer, it had to be those colours. Yeah. I mean, he came up with some really daft designs to start with and I kept insisting, no, this is not what I want, keep going, keep going. Eventually, we got the sunflower. In fact, a friend of mine, she sent me a leaflet with her which had a sunflower on it. Uh-huh. So we used that image or something similar. Mm-hmm. I see. That just seems so right. So really, again, a lot of a lot of uh, synchronicities happened with producing my main book. People gave me the right image. The cover designer was recommended to me. The typesetting company was recommended to me. And what I did was the printers I was recommended to, because in those days print on demand wasn't quite set up yet. Mm-hmm. So I, I had four and a half thousand copies printed by a printer up in East Anglia, Norwich, which is sort of east of England. Uh-huh. And we met up in Centre London for some costings. So first I said, I'll have 1,000 copies. And they said, look, the difference between 1,000 and 2,000 is so little. Maybe you want to go for 2,000. And because, again, it comes back to my belief in the book, I knew that if I had 2,000 copies done, I can sell them. And funnily enough, they came back to me and they said, the way they work, printers, is they have a huge paper drum. Mm-hmm. They said, if I was to double my amount from 2,000 to 4,000, it would be something like an only extra 100 pounds or something. So I thought, okay, it doesn't make much sense not to have those extra 2,000 copies. So in the end, as it worked out, I, I had 4,500 copies done. And the cost between 2,000 and 4,500 was so little, it's about 300 pounds, it made total sense to do it. What I hadn't realized was how much volume that 4,500 copies would take. That's what it, I was going to ask you. How weighed, did you store it? it? Weighed, yeah, it almost weighed a ton in paper, three and quarter, three quarters ton actually. And books were packed in books of boxes of 60. And I had about 70, 80 boxes delivered to me and it took up a lot of space. But the good thing is, uh, eight years later, I, I'm down to my last three boxes. Um, so I sold or given away the, the almost 4,000 copies plus. And since I've been doing print on demand for the last five years, those three boxes would have gone a long time ago. But the book has now been sent out on print on demand for any Amazon orders. So is it so, on CreateSpace? Um, no, I, I actually, no, I'm not using CreateSpace. I'm using Lightning Source. So Lightning Source is the world's largest printer. And so basically the way it works, that rather than Amazon supplying a paperback copy order through create space they send the order request to lightning source who then print off one copy that goes to amazon and amazon then send it out to the customer oh, okay I see. Now, the reason why i've done that is it's financially better for me and secondly it was set up even before create space was created okay i see i mean there's pros and cons uh, personally i just prefer lightning source and the system's been working well for me for the last five years so there's no reason for me to change it uh-huh uh, i see yeah well, uh, let's uh, go back to like not just that book, but in general, all your books. And I would like to know who or what inspires you to write your books. Okay, yeah. I think I have to be honest. One of the thrills of writing books is to actually sit in bookstores and to have some sales. So when I get to, when I log into my Kindle dashboard and I see I sold four or five copies this morning or in the last 24 hours, that's the real kick. And that inspires me to do more. I mean, at the moment, as I said, I'm selling about 100 a month, which in my reckoning is okay. But big part of me says I could be doing lots more. So that inspires me. I want to do lots more. And, and the underlying thing is actually it's not even about selling the books. It's about making a difference to as many people as I can in as short a time as I can. So if Get the Life You Love, which is a book that I talk about mainly, if I can sell thousands of that copy of that book every month, 
then I know that thousands of people out there will be focusing on getting the life they love. And that's what really drives me, is to get that book out there to a much wider audience. Then I know that people are improving their lives and that's what my reason for being is, that makes sense. Okay, I see. So I think that also brings me to an important point which readers or listeners should know about, is to believe in your book and know that it's going to make a big difference out there. Um, generally, I speak about nearly mainly non-fiction books, but fiction books as well. If you write a fiction book, know that people out there will be impacted by it. And if you can believe in your book and set out with a, with a mission to impact people, I think your book will be a much better product and it will likely to do more and better for you. Uh-huh, I see. Did you ever consider or ever want it to be traditionally published or not? Um, I didn't, actually. Um, when I was writing Get the Life You Love, I really wanted to get it out there quickly, as soon as possible. So I know if I had waited for a traditional publisher, it might have taken another year and I wouldn't have any right to it now. So right now I, I can change the cover as I wish, I can change the content as I wish, I can upload and play around with the Kindle version as I wish. And the other thing was also, uh, when I wrote the first book, my very first ever book was Get Alive. And this is the newspaper column articles which I mentioned earlier on. So it was mid-October that year six months into my writing column that I thought, wow, there's enough material to turn into a book. So I met up an editor friend of mine. I said, look, I'd really like to get a book out by Christmas this year, which was only, what, eight weeks away. Do you think it's possible? And she said, well, if you don't do anything for the next four weeks and give me the draft copy, we can probably make it work. So anyway, that was a conversation mid-October. And November the 30th that year, I had a hard copy of my first book in my hands. So those six weeks was probably the hardest I ever worked in my life. And that's really to answer your question why I went self-published. I couldn't wait for a traditional publisher. I wanted to get a book out that year, by Christmas that year. So my first book was actually called Get Alive. And I had 2,000 copies printed. And within, I would say, yeah, about 14 months, I sold them all. And that's to Get Alive. Then I rewrote into Get the Life You Love. But the whole focus was to get it out there quickly. And if I had waited for a traditional publisher, I might not have got it out that soon. Yeah, absolutely. And there's lots, of, there's lots of other reasons as well. I wanted it to be my work, my, my copyright, my, um, my sort of creation rather than someone else's. But that's not to say there's no space for traditional publishers. Maybe for my next book or a future book, I'll go with a traditional publisher. Okay. But, and, and I think it should be relatively easier now for me to get one because of my track record. I have sold over 10,000 copies of books now, so that puts me... Absolutely. That's put me quite high up in up there amongst self-published authors, I guess. Absolutely. And you also already have established audience, which means that you, you already yes. have yeah. a minimal market which can uh, be insured by your uh, publishing your next book. Yes, yeah. Okay. And uh, so what are your uh, plans for the future? What's coming next? As I said, I sold... I reckon amongst all my different books, I sold 10,000 copies plus. Um, I really like to get that figure up to a million, million copies. So everything I do, if I was to, if I was to do nothing else for, say, for the next two years and just focus on book marketing, I reckon I could get a million, million sales across all the different books and all the different channels I'm working on. And maybe that's what I should do. Maybe I should say I'll drop everything else. First of July today, first of July 2016, maybe I'll be a million seller, million selling author. So are we making this official? <laughs> I love challenges, yes. So let's make it official. Okay, cool. We, I'll, I'll be checking later on to see what happened. <laughs> okay. No, seriously, I think there's so much potential for in my market, in the, in the area I write in, and there's lots of room for collaboration with other authors and the way the market is going, social media as well. I, 
I've got a fairly good, good name already established and there's no reason why I can't build on that quite dramatically and take my game up to to the next next level. Absolutely. And uh, now looking back, when um, what would you do differently? Is there anything you, uh, well, I wouldn't say regret because it's not the exact word, but uh, would you do something differently if you knew what you know now? Yeah, a couple of things. I'll write many more books than I have, especially now that we can... Uh, create Kindle books relatively easier, easily. Um, even now, that's one of my strategies to create many more Kindle books. As I said, I've got 12 at the moment mm-hmm. and I would love to create more. And when I say create more, it has to be obviously quality and relevant and nicely produced. So if I could create, say, one book a month, that's what I'd love to do. And I wish I'd done that, say, over the last three, four years. If I, if I could start again, I would do that. I would say focus on writing more books, creating more books. Yeah. I'd probably do more collaboration work. Oh, okay. Um, books with other authors and and there's something what I'd like to do in the future maybe not immediately is to write a fiction book as well fiction as well oh, yes. okay. Yeah. okay and then I can be much more creative even more creative and take a uh, look at different niches and areas I could write in yeah okay and you mean novels novellas about yes podcast? novellas oh, yeah. novellas okay <laughs> And, um, okay, a general, more general question for you. Uh, what's your ultimate dream in life in general? Uh, think about this. Uh, everyone really wants to be, this is what I believe, actually. Everyone ultimately just wants to be happy and joyous. And then we all go through life thinking we want something else. And then when we get those things, we're still not there. So we want to be looking for more things. But I think ultimately I just want to be happy and joyous. But I also want to make a big impact on the world and leave a, create a legacy. Um I said to someone jokingly the other day, which was actually, actually wasn't that jokingly, I said I'd love to be nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, not necessarily because I want to be winning it, but just by even by being nominated for it means that uh, I made an impact in the world and I made a huge contribution towards having peace in the world. I see. And one of the ways I'll do that is through my writing. I see, yeah. And maybe the last question um, here for our listeners what would you what would be your advice your biggest tips for newbie writers um what would you advise them okay get started um i cannot tell you how many people i met even in the last few few months alone who say they want to write a book but then i say well how is it going and they said they haven't started yet so just get started you know it's um it's a cop out when you say you haven't started yet and they say they got writer's blog they haven't got the time there's no such thing as writer's blog you put you plant yourself in front of the laptop switch off your wi-fi switch off your internet and start writing and then see where you are half an hour later, an hour later, and then build up, build up. And the biggest thing is believe in yourself, believe in your book that you're, you write, believe that you have a message. Everyone has a unique message, really. I really do believe that because I meet amazing people all the time and I say to them, look, you've got so much to offer. You've got such a great story. Have you thought about writing a book? And then they say, well, I haven't. Or they say, I have, but I haven't got around to it. And it's really funny. Most people have a book in them. Most people want to write a book. But I'm, I'm guessing less than 1% of people ever get around to writing a book. And nowadays, it's so easy to, to get a book published through Kindle or even print on demand that anyone who's got a reasonable writing style can get a book out there. I mean, again, it depends what they want. If they want to sell thousands, then they'll have to do it professionally. They just want to have a book in their name. That can be done quite easily as well. But you have to start. You have to get it written down. And I would say don't worry about your, your grammar or your your style initially an editor can work you can work with that or you can go back and change it but let's just just brain dump it whatever's in your head just get it down there don't worry about structure initially or even have a very simple structure 10 chapters maybe 10 paragraphs something like that 
keep it simple and get it done and then you can always make it better afterwards absolutely well thank you very much for the great advice i'm also a big advocate of uh, taking action and i really don't like the future tense when people talk in future tense but then at the end it, it stays in the future all the time no matter when you see them so uh, really good advice i will include um, your blog most probably will be the hub where people could uh, follow you or the ones who would like to get in touch with you for uh, possible uh, coaching or any questions or anything, where should they go? Your blog? Yeah, they can go to my blog, yes. So it's arvindivalia.com forward slash blog. There's also a contact form so they can contact me directly to the blog. And they can also check out the books on Amazon. If they put my name on Amazon, they can see them. And the one they... The one I've been talking about a lot during this interview is the Get the Life You Love, which is actually an Amazon best-selling you know, book in its category. Great. So there's an Amazon bestseller label on it, logo on it. And I think you summarize it really well. The key thing really to take away for any listeners is take action. Start writing, start marketing, start spreading your message, start sharing yourself. And you too can be someone with huge sales, whether you're self-published or a traditional publisher. There's no, there's no rocket science here, really. There isn't. Action. <laughs> Focus, action, determination, persistence, all those things. I mean, those are words which I'm just throwing out, but those are words which have really helped me. And there's no reason why anyone else should also follow the same path as me and succeed. Agree. Yes. Well, thank you very much for spending this time with us. Um, thank you for your uh, interesting talk. Uh, I hope um, our listeners got very useful information and they will be motivated enough based on your example to go ahead and really finally start writing their book and uh, making the same success you had. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Well, that was it for today. I hope that you learned at least something new from this interview and it was valuable to you. And uh, the last thing I would like to say is that if you like the Right to be Read podcast and would like to help me out with growing it, please take a minute and leave a review on iTunes. I will truly appreciate that. So meet you in the next episode and have a nice day. Mm-hmm.